spirit of living God fall fresh now on us who gathered in this worship space and who gathered in spaces all around your world watching us on live stream. Send now that spirit upon us and upon this preacher that we may be ushered into the very presence of the living Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. From the very first verse, we sense the sheer excitement of the psalmist in his 122nd psalm. Unlike other psalms, we, we don't have to wait until we get down to the fifth or the tenth verse to experience the joy and spirited emotion of this writer. But from the very beginning, we sense that this writer has joy on their heart. You can almost hear the rise in their tone as he articulates the ecstasy of his worship experience saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And friends, I, I need to hurry up and make something clear. For me, the house of the Lord is not necessarily a building or this building. It is a space. It is a space in our hearts where no matter where we are, we can enter into praise and worship of God. Some people see me in my car stopped at a red light and I'm just praising God. They say, oh, the boy didn't lost his mind over there in the car. But I've discovered no matter where I am, I can turn that into a sanctuary and into the house and the presence of God. There is some controversy about the authorship of this beautiful poem. It's most generally attributed to David. And those who hold this view say that when David speaks of the house of the Lord, he's referring to the city of Jerusalem. There's no way he could be referring to the temple because the temple was not built under David's watch. But David felt like Jerusalem was the place where he could experience God. It was the place where he felt the most closest to God. It was the place where he would eventually name the city of God. And that would seem a logical conclusion since, like I said, the temple was not there. It was a space, not a place. If David did, in fact, write the psalm, it is clearly not associated with a building but a space and a place set aside to remind us that God is with us. No matter whether we can see God or not, God is always with us. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. On the other hand, some people say that this psalm was not written by David, that it was written at a much later period, perhaps at a time after they came out of the Babylonian exile. And when they got to 
the eve of the breaches of the city, they broke out into a song to sing how glad they were to be back in their homeland. As they saw the ruins of Solomon's temple that was destroyed, they, when, they, when they were in exile, they were singing, how can we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? They remember when they hung up their harps, and then they also, when they, just, when they heard God speak to them, and they began to sing, even in a strange land, when their eyes looked up and crawled up to the city of Jerusalem, they broke out into a song because they were so happy at the place where they had been dreaming about. All of those years was now within their reach. So they burst forth in a spontaneous song, unbridled. It was an emotion that they hadn't let loose in a long time. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know who wrote the psalm, and I, frankly, we may never know. But whoever wrote it, whether it was David or, or one of the exiles led by Ezra or Zerubbabel or Nehemiah, it was someone who certainly experienced the unparalleled joy of God's presence. And for me, that presence is God's house. So come on, my brothers and sisters. Let's go into God's house this morning and experience God's presence. Because the corridors of our many life journeys are littered with lows, those miserable moments, sometimes meaningless and monotonous, sometimes frightening and lonely. The corridors of life are littered with lows where life tries to take us away from the joy and the presence of the Lord. The profound writers and poets of the path have paved with picturesque language what it means to experience the lows of life. It was Paul Lawrence Dunbar who at age 34 lost his love and discovered that he had tuberculosis, who cried out, a crust of bread and a corner to sleep in, a minute to smile and an hour to weep in, a pint of joy to peck up trouble and never a laugh, but the moans come double and that's life. The corridors of life are filled with lows. It was the philosopher Schopenhauer, after spending much of his life seeking to understand the meaning of life, after his loved one passed, after, after a while battling an illness for which there was no known cure, sadly declared that life is an endless pain with a painful end. Life is littered with lows. All of us have our low moments. It was Shakespeare's Macbeth that discovered his own troubles he describes life as a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Yes, my brothers and sisters, I submit to you and suggest that the corridors of life are littered with lows. Those miserable moments, those moments where we find ourselves looking up and looking to get up a holiday, no matter how holy we miss a deceased loved one. The corridors of life are littered 
with loaves. And if we are not ever so careful, we can come so locked into our low moments, even when we find ourselves approaching a welcome mountain experience, our old valley mentality can hinder us from experiencing a meaningful moment on the mountain that God is trying to set us atop of. All of us have those low moments. And somebody looking at me right now, I don't know who, but God knows. If we are honest with ourselves, we've come to this worship moment today and the corridors of our own life are littered with lows and low-down people in our spaces. My brothers and my sisters, those low moments, if we're not careful, will cause us to develop a valley mentality where we find ourselves victims of the valley. You do know what the valley is like, don't you? It's characterized by an uneven playing field. There are some who can testify that in spite of the fact that we say we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal, we still have to operate and function on uneven playing fields. Yeah, my brothers and sisters, we know that life is littered with valley lows. And when we find ourselves in those valleys, however brief, we're thrown off balanced by an uneven playing field. There are the valleys of disappointment, discontentment, rebellion, the valleys of sickness and financial difficulties, family crisis, loss of friendship, and untimely death that litter the corridors of our lives and crush the breath from our earthly bodies. Yes, my friends, these are the valleys that can leave us weeping with Jeremiah over the loss and of our pain. When we look at the context of this Psalm 122 this morning, we see that while we are there in the valley, we experience perplexing problems, painful predicaments, challenges, confrontations, and conflicts. The valley awaits all of us sometimes. All of us are thrust into valley experiences, but I need to stress today that we've got to be on guard against developing a valley mentality where we become victims of what we are not supposed to be. Here in this text this morning, we have the people of God going up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. They had to travel through enemy territory in order to get to the temple for this religious festival. They had to go to celebrate Passover, and while they go up, they had to go through enemy territory. They celebrated Passover, but they had to go through enemy territory. They celebrated Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, but they had to go through enemy territory. Psalms 120 through 124 chronicles the circumstances as they journey each step of the way in order to get into the presence of God. These series of songs are called the Songs of Ascent or Songs of Pilgrimage. And while they journeyed, they had to face barbaric, warlike people who worship idols and pagan gods. Many times they found themselves surrounded by the enemy. And all of us, I don't care who you are, 
have experienced situations where we feel like we are surrounded by enemies. We have obstacles of oppression that seek to try to destroy our joy. But I've come to let us know that even though we must pass through pagan environments, we have, we have the protection of an almighty God that could not be God and remain in heaven, but decided to disrobe God's self of everything to become one of us, to lead us back to all of the joyous mountaintop experiences. Even though we have to fight satanic attacks sometimes, we have a sovereign savior. Even though we encounter hostile havens, we have a heavenly hero. It is important to note, my friends, that these psalms were not read, but they were sung to music. Every child of God should have a song. That's the beauty of corporate worship of God, no matter where we are. We can sing our way into God's presence, even in a strange land. When we were the poorest and things were going the bleakest, I could hear my mom say, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the God's every word. He's never failed me yet. When things were not going its best, I could hear my auntie singing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest thing, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for all he has done. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for the race he has won. I know the Lord will make a way as he will. Our song. It's part of our praise, and it is our praise that gets us onto God's porch, and it's worship that gets us into God's living room, at God's feet. Church, we ought to be excited to worship God, no matter where we are. We ought to be excited about what God has already done for us. We ought to be excited that we get a chance to worship God. It should be exhilarating because of what God will do and has done. Did you ever wonder why it's so cold in a movie theater? It's because when the excitement hits, our blood pressure rises and our heart rates increase and our temperature rises. The theater must do its best to maintain our comfort through the experience. And my brothers and sisters, we, the church ought to be that way. We ought to get so excited and caught up in the worship that we need to turn the heat down in the winter and crank up the air in the summer. Why? Because of what God has done. When we think about all oh, the goodness of God, we ought to get so excited that our emotions can't be contained. Even if you're in the house by yourself, your neighbors ought to say, what's wrong with them this morning? <laughs> Let's look at this pericope real quickly. First, the psalmist in this text says, I was glad because, first of all, he considered the safety that God provided in Psalm 120. We talked about how they had to pass through enemy territory in order to get to the space of worship. Meshach was evil and a pagan nation to the north. Kedar was to the south. And there were the people of God in the middle. And somebody, somebody that's in their worship space this morning is in the middle right now. And like the Israelites, 
Some of us had to travel all night and all day through enemy territory just to get into the presence of God. Like the Israelites, some of us were trying to be peaceful and and just pass through, but our enemies wanted to fight. But consider the substance of the valley. God not only made the hills or problems in our life, but God also made the heaven and the earth the solutions to the problems of our lives. The Israelites understood that their substance was in God because God never sleeps nor slumbers. God would provide shade for them in the day and at night. No matter when the enemy attacked, God would be on guard. The enemy must pass through the guard coming in and going out. And there's no way the enemy can pass our God. But then not only did God consider the safety and the substance of our valleys, but in Psalm 122, God considers his salvation. The Israelites were able to journey to the temple, to Jerusalem, to the church, to worship. They were able to step into the presence of God And when we, like them, get into the church, whether it's in this worship center or wherever you are this morning watching this live feed, we have a place of refuge. You see, when we get into God's presence, it can be a disappointment or a delight. It can be a task or a triumph, an obligation or an opportunity. It all depends on our spiritual attitude. Our spiritual attitude governs our posture and our position before the Lord as we complete our pilgrimage to God's house. The Israelites were glad because they came with personal experience. They remembered the the victories at the hand of God. They could feel God's presence, in other words, Their worship experience reminded them of God's power over their enemies. The psalmist in our text had experienced God. And don't you realize that all of us, all of us have had some experiences with God. All of us has a faith file full of documented victories through the life's valleys. Every now and then, my friends, we should pull off that file and dust it off and and reminisce about our personal victories with God. God meets us in the valley, not just with a place and a presence, but also with a promise. God has made so many promises to us. Way back in 2 Chronicles, I remember reading, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and forgive them, and I will heal their land. Way over in the 16th chapter of Second Chronicles, I read, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And the gospel writer Matthew wanted us to know so clearly, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, and whoever have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even 
unto the end of the world. When we come into the presence of God, we should get excited because we know that our mountaintop worship experience will overcome all of our valley experiences. Look at the dedication of the Israelites. Everybody was walking over great distances, not riding. There was no camel Honda. And look at the demographics of these tribes. They were all different people from different places, different spaces, all kind of different points of views. But rather than being divided, they traveled together. Even though they had a long distance to travel and had come from different spaces, they all depended on one Lord. It's the one Lord that overcomes all of our differences. When we understand divine dependence on God, we don't allow jealousy or envy to prohibit us from our praise. Why? Because we understand that everything comes from God. The Israelites entered into the presence of God and they began to praise God for what God had already done. Just getting them there was a victory. Their purpose was to simply give thanks to their God. Someone may ask, why did they have to come to this space? Why did they have to leave their homes and their land? Why did they have to journey to Jerusalem? Why? Did God have limited vision? Did God need all of them to be together? Friends, it was not for God's benefit, but for the benefit of the people. That journey was necessary. Our journeys are necessary. What builds our faith file is our journeys with God. When we encounter God's presence in our worship spaces for corporate praise and worship, wherever we are, in, that's when our faith file grows of the masses. They meld together in common persons. We come together live stream and in person to experience deliverance, past and presence. We come together to share our exodus experiences through the low corridors of our lives and the high mountains of victory. Every time we come into the presence of God, friends, we should recapitulate our, converse, our conversion experience or where God found us and where God has brought us to. Every one of us has a testimony, and every now and then, we should remember that testimony. The Israelites came together to remember their victories in the midst of their difficulties. They were reminded of God who is in the midst of their valley their trials, and their tribulations. Who else would they have depended on? And they came not just to contemplate their deliverance from difficulties, but also to celebrate arrival at their destination in the presence of God. They came to rejoice over their journey through the low corridors of their life to the place of promise and provision. The temple in this text is not just a place of refuge, restoration, rejuvenation, and revival. It is a place of spiritual maturation. This pilgrimage helped the Israelites mature in their walk of faith and taught them to depend solely on God, not themselves. 
If we want to make it through life's valleys, we have to improve our walk of faith. If we want to make it through the lowest corridors of life, we have to learn to lean and depend on our Savior. If we want to have mountaintop experiences in the midst of valley trials and tribulations, we must have to take a spiritual journey into the presence of God to receive God's anointing. You see, what the text is teaching us today, we have to endeavor to learn. What God commanded, we must strive to do. What God reveals, we must desire to see. What God promises, we must expect to receive. And what God requires, we must try to fulfill. What God offers, we must choose to accept. In all of our valleys, we must acknowledge him through the trials and tribulations, through the valley experiences and the meaningful mountaintop moments. We must acknowledge God and he will direct our path. Friends, I invite you to let the twinkling colors of this Advent season usher us into God's presence. Let the variegated colors of Advent suggests the universality of God's love. The royal blue symbolizes a sky that was painted without brush or creation morning. The green reminds us of spirits ever renewing spring that comes after a dismal winter of loss and separation. It also reminds us of the green pastures into which our Savior will lead us as we wallow in prosperity of God's blessing. The orange, cherry, and peach reminds us of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. The purple reminds us of the passion of Christ as he stood before Pilate. The crimson and the red reminds us of Christ's precious blood that ran down Calvary's cross to save you and I from our sins. Even the gold Metallic images of a city reminds me of a city that's described in, a valley, in the Bible as one that we all will see one day, the city of God, where the streets are painted by God with the best of gold. And there we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we thank you for this season of Advent, this season of renewal, this season where we prepare for the birth of your son, this season where we can ask your son to be born in our lives in difficult moments, this season where Christianity can be on full display, to let a dying world know that there is hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Cover now your children with your blessings, that they may be seen as children of the light. In Christ's name.